Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In our text this evening, you're going to see the back and forth between Jesus and the Jews. And you might notice how every time Jesus speaks, he's trying to call the Jews out of their earthly thinking, calling them past earthly things to the heavenly things that he's come to bring. And yet how the the Jews keep trying to twist Jesus' words back around to what they care about, the things of this earth. John 6, 24-35 When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then, that we may see it and believe you? You, What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. Some things that twist are good, like rope and Twizzlers. I like Twizzlers anyway. I don't know about you guys. You can let me know after the service. But the twisting that the Jews do in our text is not so good, is it? Constantly, as we mentioned before, trying to twist Jesus' words back around. Jesus offering them the bread from heaven, offering them the forgiveness of sins, and the Jews, in effect, keep saying, that's great, but we don't really care. Give us bread to eat, bread to fill our stomachs. Jesus confronts, us, confronts them about this right away in our text, right? In verse 26, as soon as they find him, he says to them, well, why did you seek me? I know why you sought me, not because you want the bread from heaven, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Not because you saw the signs and realized that they meant that the Messiah had come to give everlasting life, but because you want me to keep doing these signs so you don't have to go to the field and work, but can just sit around and eat the bread I give you all the days of your life. They sought him in order to be filled with earthly blessings. And of course, there are many who seek Jesus for the same reason these days as well. There are many who might even say, what should I care about a God who's constantly talking about heaven but doesn't seem to care about the things of this world, doesn't seem to want to help me out of the plight that I'm in right now. So they say, I don't care about the heavenly things. All I care about is 
the earthly things. You know, psychologists like to talk about uh, Maslow's pyramid of needs. So there is a famous psychologist that came up with this pyramid of, well, we need this first. So, for example, we need food and we need warmth first before we can worry about things like fulfillment in our lives and love. And so he came up with this, this pyramid. We need this stuff at the bottom before we can worry about some of this thing, these things on the top. Well, that's kind of what the Jews are saying, even if they didn't know about Maslow's pyramid, right? They're saying, well, <clears throat> we're not going to worry about heaven right now. What we care about more is food for this life. And so to some respect, we might say, well, that seems reasonable. It seems reasonable that you have to get food for your daily life before you can start caring about what's to come in the next life. However, the thing that Jesus points out in our text as well is that they had already eaten. This takes place right after the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus had already given them bread to fill their stomachs. And the fact is that Jesus has already filled our stomachs with bread as well. Jesus himself reminds us that God knows that you have need of these things, doesn't he? He created an earth, he created plants, he created everything we need for this life. Way back in Genesis chapter 1, we hear about how God took Adam and put him in the garden and gave him every good thing, every food to eat, and even gave him purpose for his life, gave him a work to do, a purpose to fulfill, and gave him a wife as well. God already fulfilled all the things that are listed on that Maslow's pyramid of needs. And that's Jesus' point here as well. Not that God doesn't care about earthly things, but that God has already fulfilled those earthly things. When we read about the miracles that Jesus does in the Scriptures, we have to realize that Jesus did those miracles not primarily to fulfill earthly needs, but primarily to remind us that he has already given us those things. For example, we can think of the, of the man born blind. If the primary purpose of that miracle was to give the man sight, well, God could have done that the moment he was born. But what does Jesus himself say? He says, this man was born blind in order that the glory of God might be seen through him. The primary purpose wasn't to give that particular man sight, but to remind us of the wonderful gift that we already have, namely sight, that comes from God. We often complain about, well, God doesn't give me this or God doesn't give me that. We forget about all that he has given us. As far as I know, there's nobody here tonight that is blind. Maybe some of us, our sight isn't so great and we need some glasses. But we, we all have been give, already been given that gift from God our Father and many others as well. Oh, we all have plenty of food to eat. So when Jesus did the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, the primary purpose, again, wasn't to give them food, but to remind them of where their food comes from and to show to them and to us that Jesus is that same God, that same Lord, who gave them food from the beginning. We so often are ill-content with all the things that God has given to us. And we so often misuse and abuse the things that God has given us, and we so often forget to thank God for those things. And so here comes Jesus, and he does these miracles, reminding us that those things are a gift from God, that he has already filled us with every good thing, 
and that we should thank and praise him for that, and that he is that same God. And so when Jesus comes into the world, his primary purpose is not to redo what God did in the creation of the world. His primary purpose is not to give us earthly bread, but to call us on past the earthly to the heavenly. That's the point he's trying to get across to the Jews in our text. He says, you came just to eat bread. Well, you've had bread your whole life, and the Lord knows you need it, and he will give it to you. Let's move on past that. Let's talk about the bread of life. Let's talk about the forgiveness of sins and eternal salvation. Oh, how much better bread that is than the bread of this life. And how do the Jews respond? You notice how they immediately twist it back to the things they want. Verse 28, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Now on the surface, the response might sound like a good response. They want to work the works of God. They want to do what God wants. Well, in the context, it's very clear that's not really what's going on. They're not saying to Jesus, teach us how to be good people and how to do good works. What they're saying to Jesus is, you did the work of God when you, when you gave us that bread, uh, when you fed 5,000 people with five loaves. Teach us how to do that. Teach us how to do miracles like what you did. They don't want to learn how to be better Christians. They want the power to do miracles. You know, I've been fly fishing once in my life. Maybe some of you are pros at fly fishing. I went once in my life. And uh, when I was in college, a buddy of mine asked me if I wanted to go. And I said, well, I, I don't know how. He said, oh, okay, I'll teach you. So we got up early and went out to a stream. And he was trying to teach me how to fly fish. And I asked him, well, how am I doing? He said, terrible. He said, I wish we were in South Dakota. Because if we were in South Dakota, when you did it right, you would get a fish every time. And that would be a good way to learn how to do it right. Unfortunately, there are people who treat Jesus that way. They treat faith and prayer and Jesus as though he was a trout in a brook. As though if they pray in the right way, or they have the right amount of faith, or they follow some five-step program, then, they, then, then they'll get the bite, they'll get what they want from God. And that's really what the Jews in our text are doing as well. Teach us how to do the works. Teach us the right words to say or the right, uh, you know, liturgy or the right whatever dance to do, rain dance, right? Whatever that to do in order to get the result from God that we want. But that's not how God works, is it? God's not a genie in a bottle. We've mentioned that before, but it's an important point to remember. He's not a genie in a bottle that you just pull out when you want and ask for your wish, and he grants your wish. He's not a, a vending machine that you put in the right amount and push the right buttons and you get the result, the Pepsi, or whatever kind of drink that you want. He's not a brook, in, or a, sorry, a trout in a brook, that if you cast your fly just right, you'll get the, re, the right result. In fact, <clears throat> the Apostle James warns us against this very attitude in James chapter 4, verse 3. He says, you ask, and you do not receive, because you ask amiss, in order that you may spend it on your pleasures. <clears throat> God doesn't follow a program like that. God is our loving Father, who has already given us, as we just talked about, He's already given us all that we need for this life. And He's happy to hear our requests. He's happy to hear the, uh, about our desires. But He's not just going to dispense results just because we follow a certain program. 
He's so much more than that. He's our heavenly loving Father who gives us what we need more often than, what, than that he gives us what we want. And Jesus knows full well that what the Jews need right now is not more bread for the stomach, but bread for the soul. What they're lacking isn't physical hunger, but spiritual hunger. And so again, he calls them to, oh, forget about the earthly for a minute, and instead let's talk about your souls and the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. So <clears throat> we continue in, in verses 30 and 31. They therefore said to him, What sign will you perform that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. So Jesus responded to their request about, let, let me, what are the works of God? How can we do the works of God? He says, the work of God is to believe in me, to believe in the one whom God sent. I said, okay, well, do some work so that we can believe in you. And you notice how subtle they are. Hint, hint, Moses gave us bread from heaven. They're still stuck on that same idea. Give us more bread, just like you did the other day. Fill our stomachs. What they really wanted, and it's clear from our text, that what they really want is a prophet who's going to give them what they think they need right now. Who's going to give fulfill their earthly needs. And once again, we see this way too, mu way too much in, in churches and in those who claim to be Christians even, this, even to this day. That what they want out of God's word, what they want out of a preacher, is fulfill my earthly needs. Let's not talk about heaven. Who cares about that? That's so far in the future. Let's not worry about that. But rather, why not, I want you to talk to me about what, what the th needs I need right now. Talk to me about money. Talk to me about marriage. Talk to me about raising children. Talk to me about self-esteem and all of these earthly issues about politics and and. <clears throat> Uh, social justice and things like that because oh who you know who cares about heaven and so once again that's that same attitude that well let's give me what i need what i think i need give me earthly things don't worry about those heavenly things no it's true that god's word does talk to us about all those subjects it talks to us about marriage it talks to us about children even talks a little bit about politics and our attitude towards our government, right? And we need that from God's Word because of our sinfulness. And we need that law. We need that guidance from God. We need that practical advice in our life that the Scripture gives us. But once again, that's something that has already been given. Even as the Jews themselves admit, you know, Moses did this. God gave it through Moses. He gave that practical earthly advice. He gave the law through Moses. And Jesus himself says that the law was given through Moses. But what does the Apostle John say? But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So yeah, we do need that earthly thing. We need the scriptures to sometimes to speak to us about earthly things. But Jesus says, okay, but there's something far more important, far better, far greater that you need. And that's that heavenly bread, that forgiveness of sins. You know, if we were perfect, if we were without sin, we wouldn't need the law anymore. Well, wouldn't that be great? Because we would know it perfectly and be already doing it in our life. But we would still delight to hear about all the things, all the wonderful things that Jesus did. That The law we wouldn't need, but we would still delight to hear the gospel. And in fact, the scriptures tells us that's exactly the attitude of the angels, isn't it? 
They desire to look into these things. First Peter tells us, uh, we have preached the Gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. You notice how sinful that attitude really is. That attitude that says, I don't care about the things of heaven. I don't care about Jesus. I only care about what's going on in my life. I only care about the, the needs that I feel today. Talk to me about that, but I don't really care about hearing about the things that Jesus did. And Peter says, what are you thinking? Even the angels, for whom Jesus did not die, and for whom it has no bearing on their life, right? But they still delight to hear these wonderful works that Jesus did. And so Jesus calls us as well. Yeah, you need to hear that law, and you need to talk about it. That's true. But how much better, how much greater to hear the wonderful things that Jesus has done, to hear about that bread from heaven who came down for us and died for us. The Apostle John tells us in John 15, 26, when the Helper comes, whom I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And so I see once again, the Scripture says this is the job of the Holy Spirit, to tell us the wonderful things that Jesus did, to give us that, that bread from heaven. That's the, the wrong attitude of the Jews. The Jews demand from Jesus, give us something practical for our daily life. That's all we care about. They only wanted preaching that would give them something. But Jesus says, no, I, I want to give you something so much better than that. And you know, there are many people today too who they don't care one whit for preaching except unless it gives them something. How much better to have the attitude that, oh, I'll gladly give up my earthly things in order to hear the wonderful news of Jesus. I'd, ra I'd much rather give up the earthly things in order to receive the heavenly blessing. It's so much greater. Well, you don't have to give up any earthly thing. The gospel is there freely for you. That forgiveness of sins is there freely for you. What does Jesus say? John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. So why do we come to Jesus? Certainly not to fill our bellies with food. God has already given us all earthly blessings and will continue to give us all early blessings, even if we don't ask for it. That's the glory of God, that he, he fulfills those needs, those earthly needs, even for those who don't ask for it, even for those who don't thank him. God keeps giving us his earthly blessings. And that's not why we come to Jesus. We come to Jesus just to get what we want. Okay, I'll, I'll come to church and I'll pray as long as Jesus does this and this and this for me. Well, God is our Heavenly Father. Jesus knows better than us what we want. He doesn't just fulfill our sinful desires, but gives us what we need rather than just what we want. Do we come to Jesus just to hear the things about ourselves? Or do we come to Jesus in order to hear about him and what a wonderful Savior he is? Why do we come to Jesus to receive that bread of life, which is, to say, the forgiveness of sins and eternal, eternal life? Rather than twisting the script, constantly trying to twist the scriptures around to only care about, well, what about earthly things and what I need for my life and what's going on in my life right now, how much better to receive that bread of heaven, that forgiveness of sins, which is why Jesus came. Amen.